You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. If I believe that I have the ability to please God through my self-righteousness, if there's any ounce of that within me, then I will attempt to justify myself before God using some moral argument. I'll always have a reason why I should be accepted by God. Well, God, I'm a good person. I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. I go to church. I pray. Look, I'm here today. You are obligated to let me go to heaven. But that's not how it works with God. On your own, you simply can't overcome your sin. You may have tried to overcome that one repetitive sin in life, but it always seems to wiggle its way back into your life. And in today's message, Pastor Holland will remind you to not rely on your own strength and righteousness. Rely on the Lord's. The Holy Spirit was given to believers for a reason. God knew that we would need help from Him to have power over sin in our lives. And through Christ's power, you can have freedom. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Leviticus chapter 16 as he continues his message, Yom Kippur. Rebirth, a second birth. Where do we hear about a second birth? In John 3.16, right? Or John 3, unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. You must be a part of the second covenant. And so what God was doing here was he was establishing a new covenant with Israel and he was pointing this covenant towards its fulfillment that would be in Jesus Christ. Isn't that radical? How God works. And so Yom Kippur reveals three essential truths to us about this new covenant. And the first truth is this, that the shedding of innocent blood is required to be forgiven. The shedding of innocent blood is required to be forgiven. In verse 3 of chapter 16 in Leviticus, it says, Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. Now the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or there's no forgiveness. So from the very beginning, it's required blood to be spilt, poured out, shed in order for sin to be forgiven, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When after Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, what does it say? God provided skins for them, animal, nice soft animal skins. They were wearing fig leaves. Have you ever worn a fig leaf? It's really itchy. Let me tell you, I used to work around fig leaves. They are not comfortable at all. <laughs> love it. Oh, I just love it. And so God provided them nice, soft animal furs. Where did he get the animal furs? He had to kill an animal. A little innocent baby animal had to die in order to cover their sin. And so from the beginning, it's been blood of an innocent life. So it can't be just any kind of blood. It has to be innocent blood. And that's why it's the blood of a young bull because he's not old enough to do anything bad yet. He's lived a sheltered life. So it's an innocent, the blood was innocent. 
You know, people who are often guilty will say, well, I've got to pay for my sins. And oftentimes, when we put ourselves under condemnation and guilt, what we're doing is we're paying for our own sins. And oftentimes, the pain of trying to pay for sins that you can't pay for, whether it's sins that have been done to you or sins that you have done, It drives people to do all kinds of things to cover up that pain, to hide that pain, to avoid that pain, to shove that pain down so they don't have to face their guiltiness. And that's how they pay for their own sins. Many of you are paying for your own sins, not even realizing it, putting yourself through guilt and condemnation. But you see, here's the problem. You couldn't pay for your sins even if you could. Because you're not innocent. You're guilty. And it has to be an innocent life. It has to be an innocent life. It can't be your life. You cannot pay for your sins. And thus, apart from Jesus... What he did on the cross, you and I are hopeless. We are without hope. We can't clean ourselves up good enough. We can't make ourselves pretty enough. We can't make ourselves strong enough, buff enough. I've tried. I've declared myself over and over again that I self-identify as six foot tall with abs of steel. I still am a short, pudgy guy. The national hero of my country is a fat man in diapers. Think about it. It's just not a, there's just no hope for me. So you and I, we cannot pay our own bill. Someone has to pay it for us because we're guilty. We're not innocent. After killing the sin offering, the blood was applied to the mercy seat. In verse 15, it says, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, Bring its blood inside the veil. Do what that blood, uh, with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And it was by doing this that the sins of the nation were atoned for. That they were paid. Now, that word atonement is an interesting word because the word atonement means to cover. But here's the question. What does it cover? What is being covered? Well, as I've said many times, the Hebrew alphabet is is a pictorial alphabet. It's like Chinese. It's like Japanese. It's a pictorial language, and so it draws a picture. And therefore, every letter has a meaning, a significance. And if you take the letters and you put them together, that's how you get the definition of a word. That's how, so, so basically, a word is a series of, series of paintings, a series of pictures that we derive the meaning from. And the three letters for atonement, for kippur, is kaf, peh, and resh. The letter kaf means to cover. The letter re means mouth. It's the picture of a mouth. You're covering, you know, its mouth. So it's cover, mouth. And resh means head. 
So head has to do with thoughts, with judgments. And so the picture that it paints is that of atonement is that God's mouth is covered. That God's mouth is covered. That's what atonement means. God's mouth is covered. Now, what is significance about that? Well, when God's mouth is open, then God is free to speak judgment over you. Because God is just. And the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so God is just by proclaiming judgment over you. So what covers the mouth of God from speaking judgment? The blood. The blood is what covers the mouth of God. So what is being covered by the blood is not your sin per se. It's the judgment of God. It's God's mouth from speaking judgment over you. Now, the, the mercy seat, the ark. The mercy seat was the lid of the ark. Is what, what, was, what covered the ark of the covenant. Inside the ark of the covenant are the articles of God's judgment against you. It's his case against man. It contains the Ten Commandments. God has, man has broken God's law. And so God has a case against man, all have sinned. And then God told Moses that he would speak to Israel from between the wings of the cherubim. So God dwells between the wings of the cherubim above the mercy seat, above the ark. And so when God is looking down from his vantage point. He looks down upon judgment, his case against you and I. And what does he see? What gets sprinkled on the mercy seat? The blood of an innocent life. And so instead of speaking judgment, what does God speak? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Just think about everything you've done, every mistake you've made. You are forgiven. And the Bible says, though you were red as scarlet, you will be washed whiter than snow. Because you are forgiven. The second truth that Yom Kippur teaches us is that I must be clothed in righteousness to approach God. But here's the problem. Because I'm guilty, my righteousness does not count. My righteousness is not good enough. In verse 4 it says, He shall put the holy tunic, uh, holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with a linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. 
And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. So before Aaron, the high priest, could enter into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, he was washed, he was washed clean, and then he was clothed in these white, holy garments. Now, what does white represent? Well, in our culture, white represents purity, right? When you get married, you get the bride gets married in a white dress, and that white dress signifies that they're that they're pure, you know, that they're they're uh, they're untouched, that they're without you know without any sin, that they're a pure they're a pure bride before they're their husband. But in the Bible, white does not represent purity. White represents righteousness. Righteousness. And washing represents salvation. It's the cleansing of the filth of the world off of, my, off of me. I am cleansed inside and out. Completely, everything is removed from me. And then I'm clothed in this righteous garment. And righteousness is what allows me to stand in the presence of God and live. Remember we talked about Nadab and Abihu, or Abihu, and, uh, and Nadab and Abihu went into the Holy of Holies, and as a result, they died. They did what they were not supposed to do. They, they weren't clothed in righteousness. They weren't clothed in the Garments. They went in their regular clothes, and as a result, they died. They didn't approach God correctly. And so when we go before God in our own righteousness, cleaning up our own lives, cleaning up our whole own acts, guess what? We die. It's not good enough for Him. We have to be clothed in His righteousness. Paul wrote to the Philippian believers, Philippians 3.9, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so think about this. What did Aaron have to do to become righteous? All he had to do was put on the clothes because the clothes makes the man, Right? All he had to do is put on the clothes. When he was put on the clothes of, you know, put on righteousness, he was righteous. That's all he had to do. It was by faith. It was something he did by faith. If I believe that I have the ability 
to please God through my self-righteousness, if there's any ounce of that within me, then I will attempt to justify myself before God using some moral argument. I'll always have a reason why I should be accepted by God. Well, God, I'm a good person. I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. I go to church. I pray. Look, I'm here today. You are obligated to let me go to heaven. But that's not how it works with God. God is not obligated to do anything. Because God has free will, just like you have free will. And I have free will. God does what he wants. And because he wants to draw near to us, because he wants us, because he loves us, he's made a way to get close to us. That's why he does it. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to help anybody. He does it because he wants to. He loves to do it. The only righteousness God recognizes is his own righteousness. And so I must have a righteousness that only comes from God. And I can only get that by faith from Jesus. That's the only way I can get it. I have to receive it from him as a gift. I have to put it on. I have to walk in it. And when I believe in the Lord Jesus, when I've had that day of, of Yom Kippur, when I have decided, I've crossed the line, then God declares me holy. He declares me righteous. It's a legal judgment. Just like when you stand before the judge, and the judge declares you innocent. I've been in court before. I've been in court with people that were being charged with charges. And I know that when, when you're charged with a charge, it's not a single charge. There's like 10 charges in that one charge. You're guilty for trespassing. You're guilty for you know, taking something that didn't belong to you. You're guilty for talking back to the officer. You're guilty. And so and they, they, everything you did wrong in that sequence of, of events becomes a charge against you. And at the end, you have to plead guilty or not guilty for every single one of those charges. And I've been there when I've heard 10 charges listed off. And the, what's the charge? Guilty, 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 guilty. I am guilty. And what God does at the end of all of that is he says, okay, this is my judgment against you. You're forgiven. Because your guilt was covered by someone else. They paid for it. And that person is an innocent life. And that's the third truth that Yom Kippur teaches us. An innocent life must bear my sins. An innocent life. And this is depicted by the scapegoat. In verse 21, it says that Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities 
iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. And so the priest would lay both hands on the head of the scapegoat and transfer all the iniquities, which is everything that separates the people from God, all their transgressions, which means everything that they did on purpose to break God's law, knowing that they were doing what was wrong, they did it anyhow. And then laying on them all of the sins, which were all the mistakes, the unintentional ways that they broke God's law, things that they didn't want to do or didn't know were wrong, but they did them. They were still responsible for them. All of that was placed on the scapegoat. And then they would send the scapegoat away into the wilderness to die. And the goat would carry the sins far away from the people, as far as the east is from the west. So our sins have been taken away from us. That's where David got that, from the scapegoat. One goat would take away all the sins of the people. One goat, one life. That was what was so significant when Caiaphas, the high priest, said about Jesus in John 11, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not the whole nation should perish. What was he talking about? The scapegoat. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the sins of the world were placed upon his shoulders. That's when the weight was being put upon him. And the Bible tells us that the, the pressure of that was so incredible that he sweat great drops of blood. I don't know if you've ever been through that kind of pressure where the corpuscles in your, or the, the capillaries in your skin begin to break under the tremendous amount of pressure. But that's what Jesus endured when he took upon himself the sins of the world. And Peter declared in 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus, our scapegoat, bore our sins in his body and died on the cross in our sins. In our sins. And when he did that, it was if we died with him. It was if we died with him. We didn't die. But our sins were transferred to him. So it was if we were dying with him. And when he rose from the dead, in the same way, it was if we rose from the dead with him. I hope you enjoyed the program today. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, there's going to be a day when all of us are going to stand before Jesus, and only those who have surrendered their life to him will spend eternity with him. 
Don't you want to be part of those that spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? You can pray this simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess that you have raised from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, then I can say with assurance that you will be saved on that day. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you were able to join us in this series called The Beauty of Holiness. If this message has blessed you or you'd like to hear more from this series, you can find the teachings online at calvarysanclemente.org. Just look under the teaching tab. While you're there, you can also learn more about Calvary San Clemente, the church this ministry originates from. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend too, either in person or online. Find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's calvarysanclemente.org. As we wrap up today's message, we'd like to offer an opportunity for you to partner with us in spreading the good news of the gospel. Would you join us in praying for those listening to this radio program? Please pray for ears to be open and hearts to be tuned toward the truth and love of Jesus. Would you be interested in partnering with us in another way as well? We're grateful for those who prayerfully consider supporting us financially to further the cause of this ministry in reaching the lost. Thanks for praying about this. And if you feel led to give, go to our website and find the Give tab at calvarysanclemente.org. One more thing. How could we be praying for you? It's our honor and privilege to be able to pray for our listeners, so please connect with us. You can call us at 949-228-9117. Again, that's 949-228-9117. And join us next time for more here on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.